this morning as we move into week number two of this series, uh, in just a moment, I'm going to play a game with you, and McKinley's going to help me, but not just yet. First, I just want to make a comment. Last week, we did not give you any hint or clue as to what the name of this series has anything to do with the series. Well, today we're going to answer that for you. But before we do, I want to play a game. The game is called Me or Not Me. And so I've got some pictures here, and I think it looks like Ken has me right about in the right spot. And so McKinley, if you'll put up the first picture, is this me or not me? <laughs> so um, I had a little fun with filters this week so that I could uh, play this game. So um Here's the next one, me or not me. Is this me or not me? There you go. Me or not me. Actually, sadly, those look a lot like me. That is, uh, I feel so sorry for my wife. Um, so I've got one more for you. Here it is, me or not me. Is this it? Oh, there we go. Josh, I knew you'd appreciate that. I've been working out in my spare time. Me or not me. That was me just the other day after, uh, after a good, strong workout. Um, well, here's the truth. Honestly, we know by looking at uh, our Facebook pages and our Insta pages, we know if that really is me or not me, right? We know this. Uh, I, I, for some reason, um, we live in a day and a time where we want our social media. We just don't want our social media to look anything like us, right? <laughs> I don't know why that is, but I have to answer for myself when I look in the mirror and what I am seeing in front of me, is that really me, who I am deep down on the inside, or is it not me? That's where we get the name of this series. In fact, no one in my life since the 1900s has ever mistaken me as thin. It just hasn't happened since the 1900s. Um, last week, we said that God himself is the potter and we are the clay. We are what God is molding and making. He creates and he molds. And that means God is the designer. And if he's the designer, then he gets to decide what he's making and he gets to, to decide what is it is designed for and how best it will function. All those decisions are not up to me. I'm only the clay. You are also only the clay. That's us. We are being created by the master. We are his masterpiece. But here's a question. Do we live as though he's the designer with the plans or do we live as if we are doing the designing and asking God to approve our plans? So do you live like that? That's an important question. Last week, we said that we all search for meaning and purpose. I have, you have. We've all wondered, why exactly am I here? So why is it then? that we're searching for purpose, and in that search for purpose, we so often overlook our designer, and we just skip right past him, and we go ahead and try to fill in all those blanks ourselves. If we're being honest, we look everywhere except for God for that answer. First, we look inside and say, what do I think? What do I want? What do I feel like? 
What does my heart tell me? And then we look outside of ourselves and we look to our culture and we listen to what our culture says and what other people say about us. And it seems like we skip right past God, who is our designer. And, and, and now to go to God for answers like that are actually taboo in our culture today. But we're just the clay. We are in the process of being made the way God decides to make us. Now, we made a big case for that last week. Since God is the potter and I'm the clay, what exactly is he making me if I choose to follow him? The question I want you to ponder is this. What exactly does the potter say that he is making? And then take it one step further what does Jesus say that God is making of you if you choose to follow him? And that's what the rest of this series really is about. It's this important question, and here it is, this question we're going to ask every week, this morning and the rest of the week, does what Jesus say about you, does that describe you or does that not describe you? Does what Jesus says and describe, is that you? Or is it not you? And that's where we get the name of the series. Me or not me is the series. There's also a thumbprint right in the middle of it. Because as Cole was uh, working with that clay last week, every time you touch that soft clay, you leave a fingerprint in that clay. And so the question is, are God's fingerprints all over your life? Or do you keep smoothing them out because you want to do, be, become something else? So as we move through this morning, I hope that everyone really leans into this next statement that McKinley's going to put on the screen. Here it is. When Jesus tells us that God is making us into something, what Jesus describes either describes you or it doesn't. Now, this is going to be interactive over the next three weeks, today and the last two weeks of November. And we hope, we hope that um, you will be honest with yourselves. I hope I will be honest with myself. And as we ask that question, that we will have one of two answers, either, yep, that's me, or we will say, no, no, I have to admit that that's not me. All right, so let's jump right into this morning. What does Jesus say about us, the clay that he is actively making and molding and shaping? If we're following Jesus, what is the potter making? So straight from Jesus, John records what we're going to be looking at this morning out of Scripture. Um, it's in the final hours of the life of Jesus, this side of the cross, uh, his the other side of the cross, and Jesus is with his closest disciples, his closest followers, and um, so we talk about this passage a lot, but from this passage, we find Jesus telling us, here's what it looks like if you're going to follow me and follow my teachings. And so much of this revolves around this one word, love. And here's what Jesus says in John 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 12. This is my commandment. He said, love 
each other in the same way I've loved you. And Jesus could have said, and I want you to love everybody the way I'm getting ready to show you because he was getting ready to die on the cross. Verse 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. All right. Now, in just a few hours after Jesus says that, he's going to, uh, that's where we see all of these things happening. They had just been in the upper room where they did the, uh, what we call the Lord's Supper. Uh, they were celebrating Passover. Um, and Jesus is telling them, hey, listen, I'm going to lay my life down for you, but don't miss this. I, I want you to focus on what Jesus described them. And as he's talking to them, he calls them friends. I'm going to lay my life down. It's no greater love than for someone to do that for their friends. Interesting. Um, can you imagine Jesus referring to you as a friend? It'd be like, uh, Jesus, who, who are your friends now? I, I, I mean, are, are are you talking about us, Jesus? Really? But Jesus gives them a qualifier statement, and it is a very important qualifying statement. And here's what he says in verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, there's not a lot of wiggle room there. When he says, you are my friend, if you do what I say, I have to look at that and answer this question. That is either me or it's not me. That is either you or it is not you. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. And here's what many of us uh, have been guilty of in this relationship. If you're anything like me, when you think of the phrase friend, and I, it's one of my favorite uh, metaphors that God, it's not even a metaphor, it's a reality. One of my favorite realities that God gives us in Scripture is that of a friend. But if you're anything like me, when I think of friend, I think of someone that I'm going to hang out with. I think of someone that, you know, you just go and you just mess around with, right? It's a friend. You go to the movies. Um, you go to the river. You go to the lake. It's that person you go hunting with. You're just someone you have fun with. You are yourself with. Might even tell some secrets to, right? Well, that's what we think of when we think of friend. But that misses the point of what Jesus is saying, because that's not what Jesus is saying. That's not what he's describing. Because the Greek word that's used for friend actually means a friend at court, a friend at court. Now, we don't really get that because we've grown up in the good old USA, and we don't have any kings, and we don't have any courts. Well, we have courts, but they do something totally different. But see, this friend that Jesus is describing, he's talking about a, a, a king who has this inner circle of people in his life. And they're called the friends of the king. And that word that we have translated as just simply friend actually describes this circle of people that would be so close to the king that the king would actually tell them things. 
They would know things before everyone else in the kingdom would know things. They would interact with the king in a way that no one else would interact with the king. They were the friends of the king. They would be so close, they would know many, many of his secrets. But they would still be subject to the king, and they would still have to obey the king's commands. And here's why that's important. Because, yes, Jesus did say, he said, I have loved you in the way my fathers loved me. And yes, Jesus did say, now I want you to go and love everyone the way I loved you. And Jesus did say, I will call you friends if you do what I command. And what did he command? He said, love one another the way that I have loved you. You know, the first time that God gave commands, that's not exactly what he said. The first time he gave commands was in the old covenant, and he gave them a giant list, a large list of commands, things he wanted to do. But now Jesus is taking all of those commands, and he's summing them up with that one word. Jesus said, love. He said, love. And if you obey that, if you obey that and love the way he said to love, then he says, then you are living as a friend of the king. And this is very difficult because that's not how we think about friendship. You're probably like me in this. We're not obeying our friends, right? You don't obey your friends. You don't bow down to your friends. You're certainly not subject to your friends. But from the perspective of Jesus, his friends do obey his commands because he's the king. We're going to talk a whole lot about that in January. They obey his and said love. But that's not all. Because this kind of friend that Jesus is describing with the word friend is also a servant. Also a servant. So they're a friend and they're a servant. So here's back to our question. Does this describe you? We have to answer that and say, that is either me or it's not me. Can Jesus describe you and your decisions and your interaction in this world as a friend and a servant? Listen to what Jesus says next in verse 15. He says, I no longer call you slaves. In other words, he no longer calls you a servant. Because He says, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. No, no, no. So Jesus is saying, no, you are more than a servant. He says, now you are also not just a servant, you're also my friends. And here's what he says, since I've told you everything the Father has told me. Are you getting that picture that Jesus is saying, because you are friends at court and I'm the king, he says, I've told you everything that the Father has told me. You know the secrets. You know the inner 
things, the inner dialogue, those private conversations, because you are friends of the king, your friends at court. And in this conversation, it's as if Jesus is mysteriously changing them from servants to more than servant, to friends at court. And that's what he does to you and me as well. He changes us from more than servants to friends at court, friends of the king. Now, this is a special relationship. In the first century, as he's speaking this to these disciples, they understood that servants did not have an intimate, personal relationship with their master. They just didn't. A servant would not know what the master was planning. They wouldn't know what the master was going to do next week, maybe not even later today. The master didn't bring in the servants of the household and, and discuss uh, the goals and the plans and the purpose for everything that was going to go on. No, in the first century, a master simply said to his servant, I want you to do this, and that's what they did. They did that, no questions asked. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. My followers are surrendering to me as their Lord and their master, and yes, they are my servants for sure, but in the kingdom of God, they are more than servants. They are called friends of the king. And it's possible that being a friend of the king might even be more important than being a disciple. I have to think that the disciples were beginning to realize this, beginning to pick up on this. See, they had grown up with an understanding of what kings did and what emperors and rulers did and how they operated. They grew up living under the power and the authority of Caesar and all the people he had placed in power. They understood this type of friend that Jesus was describing, the friend at court. And they knew that in the king's courts, there was always a very select, hand-picked group that were called friends of the king. And the friends of the king had access to the king when others didn't, as they did with Jesus. The friends of the king at court, they could even enter into the king's bedroom at the start of the day when others couldn't. The king would talk to these friends before he met with military leaders and statesmen. They knew things. They had conversations. The friends of the king had the closest, most intimate connection possible inside of that kingdom with the king. And the disciples understood all of this, but they also understood that these friends of the king and these friends of King Jesus, first and foremost, were the king's subjects. Friends? Yes, absolutely. But not friends the way we treat friends. Jesus was not their homie. He was their king. 
They were still expected to obey his commands. He called them friends, and they called him majesty or Lord. See, we talk about friends all the time, don't we? For us, friendship kind of brings us together on the same level. One's not more important than the other one. One's not higher than the other. We come together as friends, and we're kind of on the same page, the same level. We're equals. We're buddies. And Jesus may call his disciples his friends, but they still address him as Lord and Master, which is the pattern of the entire Bible, and it still is today. And he might call you friend and me friend, but we respond to him in complete submission. He calls those friends those who submit to his commands. And yes, Jesus said, love. So again, to our question, me or not me? Friend, me or not me? Servant, me or not me? And if we obey him, then that means we love. Is that me or not me? I really do believe the words of Jesus that John recorded for us. Listen to John chapter 6. Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. And I believe that. I believe that's true. That's the work he wants from you. I believe that God sent Jesus to this planet to to pick up and to carry off the sins of the entire world, which include mine. And I also believe that Jesus really did die on a cross and that he really did come back to life, walk out of that tomb alive three days later. And I believe that, which compels me to then follow him with my life. And all of this talk about potters and clay is totally irrelevant if you have not made the decision in your life to, by faith, believe in the one that God sent. We say this all the time around here, as we should. Until a person believes in Christ, until a person trusts their life to the care and the control of Jesus, God doesn't give them spiritual change. Not until that moment. Which means a person cannot be a servant. Which means a person cannot be a friend of the king. They can't be a part of his family. And we're not talking about this today, but you know what else he, Jesus said in the new covenant? Not only did he say, you are my servants, and not only did he say, my servants who have become, I've made them my friend, he also says that you are his family. 
but we can't be a servant of the king, a friend of the king, family of the king, unless we have surrendered our lives to the king, to his care, to his control. Because the potter does not mold what has not been centered on the wheel. But once you are, if you have done that, if you believe in, rely on, cling to Jesus, if you have trusted him with the care and the control of your life, then I truly believe that you, like me, are clay in the master's hands. And the potter is doing work, and he is making you at this very moment. He's in the process of making you into his masterpiece which is a servant, which is a friend of the king. And that is characterized by the way you love others. So we simply have to ask, is that me or not me? Because Jesus says, true servants, true friends, do the will of the Father. Listen, this is not my opinion. This is not Cole's opinion. And I promise you, it is certainly not a popular opinion. But it's clearly God's opinion, and it's clearly what Jesus taught. So let's not filter our lives like those pictures I started with this morning. Let's not fool ourselves. Let's ask the question, is this what Jesus is describing, a servant, a friend of the king? Is it me or is that not me? And we're going to ask you this week, will you wrestle that question to the ground this week? And we're going to ask that you come back next week because we're going to look at more words of Jesus. And we're going to ask the question again, is that me or not me? Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Jesus, for your words. And thank you that your spirit guided John to write those words down. Jesus, you described us as more than servants. You described us as friends. And I ask that we, this week, would look at our lives with no filters included and compare our lives as a mirror with the words of Jesus, you and ask ourselves, is that us? Is what you're describing, Jesus, does that reflect my life? And if it does, may we continue down that path. But if it does not, Jesus, would you help us have a burden to look more like you? 
thank you for your love that sent you to the cross. You, you laid your life down for your friends. And may we respond to you, Jesus, with submission. May we be your friends at court. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.